Amen. Well, that was a, a great uh, missions conference we had this past week, and um, what a blessing it was to get to know uh, the missionaries that we had in. And I hope you had an opportunity to get to know them, talk to them, uh, make sure that you're praying for them. I hope you took their prayer cards. Um, if you didn't, I think there might be a few still on the table in the back there. So if you didn't get one of their prayer cards, uh, I would encourage you to get one and be praying for them um, and their ministries. And of course, obviously, the missionaries that we currently have as well. Um, and again, if you get one of the bulletins there in the back, um, that has the missionaries of the month. Uh, in there, and it also has the email addresses, and really would encourage you to email them and let them know uh, they're being prayed for. Um, you, you never know what's going on um, in the life of one of our missionaries, and I really encourage you to pray for them. Um, I know one of our missionaries, their, their, their home church, their home church just closed the doors. So what do you do as a missionary? You have no home church now. Um, I guarantee you that's cause for concern for a missionary when he's on the field, right? Um, and so it's important. Um, that's why it's so important to pray for our missionaries because, again, you never know what they're going through. Uh, it could be something like that. It could be a family issue. It could be a spiritual issue there in the country. Uh, or maybe there's just something they're trying to do. Maybe there's a building or something they're trying to get. And so um, really would encourage you to be praying for, for our missionaries. And, again, let them know that. Let them know they're being prayed for. Um, that's why we put the email addresses in there, uh, so that even if you just, even if all you do is just say, hey, I'm, I just want you to know I'm praying for you this week, if that's all you put in there, I guarantee you that would be an encouragement to them. I, I know it would be, um, and uh, so please do that, and um, it's important, right? Um, well, obviously, uh, we have uh, Thanksgiving and things coming up, and I know a lot of folks are going to be traveling, and um, uh, as we look into getting into the Christmas time, and um, was having lunch with some folks today, and um, the gentleman was telling me that he's only halfway through getting all of his Christmas stuff up yet. I said, uh, I wasn't going to say any names. <laughs> I said, you do know it's not Thanksgiving yet, <laughs> you know. Uh, he said, you can't start too early, so... Um, but I guess if you really think about the whole purpose of the season, you really can't start too early, right? Amen? Uh, I mean, really, that's something we ought to be thinking about all year long, what the Lord did for us in sending his son. So, um, so I guess, you know, you could actually say there's biblical reason to start and have it all year. Please don't let your wife know that I said that, because <laughs> she would definitely kill me. Um, so <laughs> take your Bibles tonight, open to the book of Psalms, chapter 18. Psalm chapter number 18. Psalm chapter 18. We're not going to read the whole psalm. It's 50 verses. It's a great psalm, though. Um, this psalm was written by David as a psalm of praise and victory. Um, and it was sung after the Lord made David king of, of Israel. Um, of all Israel, after he was finally able to get victory over the nations that opposed his rule. Uh, of course, you can read about that in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 2, uh, chapter, or excuse me, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5, uh, chapter 8, chapter 10. And um, <clears throat> obviously we understand uh, 
if we think about the life of David as, as a shepherd boy in the town of Bethlehem, um, Samuel comes and he's going to anoint the next king. And Jesse has seven sons. And uh, as Samuel comes in, he sees the first one. And he sees the oldest son there. And he's a strong man. He's actually a military man. He's in the, uh, he's in the military there for Israel. Uh, no doubt a, a valiant man. And Samuel looks at him, he says, this, this is the guy right here. I mean, if there's anybody that should be king, I mean, this is a guy. He's military-minded, you know, he's been in battle, he's tested. Uh, this, is, this is the guy right here. And uh, God says, Samuel, that's not the guy. That's not the guy. And then so Samuel goes to the next son, he thinks, well, maybe this one, right? Maybe this is going to be the one, because this one is also a military man, and this one's also been in battles, and so surely maybe this must be the man. And God says, Samuel, he's not the one. God tells Samuel, look, Samuel, you're looking on the outward, right? You're looking on the outside. And again, obviously, that's how we look. We look at what is the appearance, you know? We're looking for a king, and so obviously we want somebody who's going to be strong, who's going to be a great leader, right, who's going to lead us into battle. And so Samuel's thinking these things, and God says, no, Samuel, looking at the wrong, the wrong place. You're looking on the outside, but he says God looks at the heart. And he goes through all of the sons, and finally he says, don't you have any, uh, uh, any other sons? Because God says none of these are the ones, and God sent me here, so there must be somebody. And he says, well, the youngest son is out in the fields, and he's keeping the sheep. Samuel says, well, go get him. So they go and get Sam, or David, and David comes running. He hears that Samuel is at the house, and his dad wants him, and not really sure what's going on. He comes in, and as soon as he walks through the door, God says to Samuel, that's the one. That's the one right there. He's the one that's going to be king. Samuel anoints him to be king that day, but he doesn't become king that day. In fact, he's not going to become king until years later. And it's not going to be an easy life either, right? Um, obviously, um, there was already a king in Israel. His name was Saul. Saul is the king, and uh, Saul has plans for the next king not to be David. Saul has plans for the next king to be his son which was kind of the customary practice of that day, which would be Jonathan. So Jonathan is in line to be the king, and <clears throat> of course, no doubt, people hear that David has been anointed king, and even Jonathan, when he meets David, uh, knowing that the plans that his father, Saul, has for him, he recognizes that this is God's man. And even though Jonathan's going to lose out on being king, Jonathan loves David and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve you and he gives his life for David and uh, again but David's life is not easy Saul hates him Saul tries to kill him on numerous occasions uh, hunts him like a dog hiding in caves trying to just uh, escape with his life the Philistines are after him I mean it's just a rough life and no doubt David is probably wondering God I, <laughs> I remember that day I remember that day in, in, in my father's house in Bethlehem when I came in and Samuel was there and, and you told Samuel I was supposed to be the king and, and I knelt down there in front of uh, my dad and in front of Samuel and Samuel anointed me with oil and said I was going to be the next king and God, this, this isn't going the way I thought it was supposed to go. And um, of course, we know the life of David and finally David becomes king and this is this psalm is written after all of this transpires. 
right? Again, not that David's life is going to be easy from here on out, but, I mean, he's gone through some pretty rough things. And now, as, uh, as a man becoming king, he writes this psalm. And the first three verses are really kind of an opening of the chapter. And in verse number one, he says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. And no doubt, as David is writing this, he's penning this, and he is finally king over all of Israel, he's thinking about what God has done. Just thinking of the goodness of God and how God has, has led him and how God has protected him. Right? Even though he had opportunity to, to kill Saul and become king much earlier, he says, I, I'm not going to raise my hand against God's anointed. David understood that God had put Saul in that place to be king. And even though it wasn't easy for David, he said, I'm just going to trust God. Now that he's come to this place, he, he begins, he says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Aren't you glad that through all of this, David's love for God didn't diminish? Through all the difficulty and all the trials and everything that he went through, David's love for God didn't wax cold. It didn't fall away. He said, Lord, you've been so good, even through all the difficult times. He says, I'll love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. So it begins to open the chapter here. And then basically from verses 4 all the way to almost the end of the chapter is just kind of a recount of, of what God has done and how God has delivered David from the enemies and, and different things that has happened. Again, we're not going to uh, take time to read through that, but you can just see how uh, he just keeps pointing back to the Lord. But then at the end, verses 46 through 50, is as he's closing this psalm, as he's closing this hymn, right? Again, the psalms... It's kind of hard for us to understand this in English, but the Psalms were not just written to be read. They were written to be sung, right? So think about this. This, is a, this was a hymn. Can you imagine a 50-verse hymn, <laughs> right? Uh, the piano players are like, no, Lord, please, no 50-verse hymns, right? right? This is a hymn that was supposed to be sung, Right? And so as David is recounting this, and he comes kind of to the, to the end of the psalm, to the end of this song, he begins to just close with praise. And this is really where, what we're going to look at tonight is the end of the chapter here, verse number 46. He says, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that avengeth me. And subdueth the people under me. He delivereth me from mine enemies. Yea, thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Great deliverance giveth he to his king, and showeth mercy to his anointed, to David and to his seed forevermore. There's a few things I would just want to draw out about this passage tonight as we really looking in verse number 49 really kind of is the key of what we're going to be looking at tonight. He says, therefore will I give what, church? Thanks. Thanks. 
Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord. But watch what he says. He doesn't just say, I'm going to give thanks in, in my prayer time. He doesn't just say, I'm just going to give thanks when, you know, when God does something good to me. Watch what he says. Therefore will I give thanks, where? Among the what? Heathen. He said, I'm going to give thanks among the heathen and sing praises unto thy name. May I say tonight that it is good to thank God when we pray. There's no doubt about that. We should thank God when we come to Him in our time of prayer and our walk with God, when we're reading the Word of God in our time of prayer. We ought to thank God for this goodness. But David says, I'm going to thank God and I want to praise Him among the heathen. Now think with me what David is saying. David has gone through all of this, and no doubt all of these heathenous nations, if we could say, the Philistines and all these other nations around them, have watched what's been going on in David's life. They knew who King Saul was. They've probably heard the rumors that there was supposed to be a new king, excuse me, in David, uh, and Saul was trying to kill David, and so they're probably thinking, man, there's a lot of conflict going on in Israel between these two guys and no doubt probably just waiting to find out what's going to happen and then David becomes king and they're hearing of this and David says I don't want to just thank God personally in my time of prayer but he says I want to make sure that God is thanked publicly among the heathen and I think he gives several reasons in this passage why it's important that we we thank God publicly. We praise Him publicly. Again, it's, it's important, again, it, when, when we're talking with God and in our time of prayer and things, we ought to thank Him. We ought to praise Him. But let me ask, how many other people have heard us talk about what God has done and thank Him publicly and praise Him publicly? Many times it's just kind of our own private time. But how really is the world going to know that we truly love the Lord if we're not willing to thank Him and praise Him publicly? This is what David is speaking about here. Again, remember, this was a psalm that was to be sung. This was a song that was written and and to be sung, and they're singing this song. No doubt David is singing it. Maybe he even taught it to to the, the musicians and the singers that were supposed to be there at the temple and things, and maybe as this national day of of praise to God. David teaches them this, and he wants them to to sing this song so that everybody knows that that David is thankful and praising to God. But why? Well, I would encourage you to read the whole chapter, but just in the last few verses here, I think we find a couple reasons why David wants the world to know that he's thankful to God. Notice, first of all, in verse number 46, notice the first three words, the Lord liveth. Aren't you glad you serve a God that is living? I tell you, friend, we serve a living God. You look at a lot of religions today, and you see what they're teaching, and you see what their hope is, and it's, it's just, there's nothing there. It's emptiness. It's dead. But David says, the Lord liveth. Our God is alive. David understood that. I mean, Job, this is one of, my, one of my all-time favorite verses in the Bible. If you go back to the book of Job, go back to the book of Job with me, 
just before Psalms, right? Job. And I'm trying to find it here. I always forget what the chapter it is. In Job chapter 19. Job chapter 19. Now, if you know anything about the books of the Bible, we believe that the book of Job is the oldest book of the Bible. Now, it's not the first book as far as in chronological order. Obviously, the book of Genesis, because that talks about creation and uh, the world and the flood and everything like this. But as far as the written record, we believe that Job is the oldest book, right? Job was written before Moses wrote the five books of the law and then before Israel and things like this. So if we think about this, we have to understand as Job is writing this, Job has no scripture. Do you realize that? No scripture. He doesn't have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? Uh, the New Testament hasn't even been thought of at this point, right? I mean, he has no scripture. And of course, you know the story of Job and how all the things that he goes through and uh, God is there with him throughout the whole time. But this is just a fascinating passage of scripture here. And he says in Job chapter 19, in verse number 23, Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. God said, I can do that. <laughs> I can make sure your words are printed in a book. I can make sure your words are written down. That they were graven with an iron pen and lead in the rock forever. God said, I can do that. I can make sure that your words are written down. I can make sure that your words are going to be read forever. Right? So we're thinking this is now thousands of years later. And we're reading these words that Job was speaking. Right? But watch what he says in verse number 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. Now think about what he just said. Job says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Friend, do you understand what Job is speaking of here? He is speaking of the resurrection. He's speaking of the resurrection. Job had no Bible. And yet Job was fully confident in the resurrection. He said, I know that my body's going to die and worms are going to destroy it. It's going to go back to the ground. It's going to go back to the dirt. But he says, yet in my flesh... Shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold? Let me ask you a question. Once your body is decomposed and it goes back to dust, how do you still have flesh and eyes to see? There's only one way, friend. It's the resurrection. Job believed in the resurrection. You know why? Because he believed in a living Redeemer. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Now, again, think about this. Job understood he was a sinner. Job understood that he needed a redeemer. He needed a savior. And he said, I know my redeemer's alive. My redeemer lives. This is this very same thing that David says, the Lord liveth. Blessed be my rock. Friend, we serve a living God. And that ought to want to have us 
praise Him and thank Him publicly. He's not just an idol made with hands, right? When you go back and you read Psalms chapter 115 and uh, verses 1 through 7, David talks about how these other religions serve these idols made with hands of gold and silver and wood. And they have ears, but they cannot hear, and eyes, but they cannot see, and a, a mouth, but they cannot taste. But he says, hey, our God is alive. We serve a living God. Does he not deserve to be praised among the heathen? Does he not deserve to be thanked and publicly praised and worshipped, not just in our private time when we're alone and it's just me and God, but does he not deserve to be praised publicly? By the way, do you understand? That's one of the things that church is about. Church is about coming together and praising Him corporately as a body of believers and lifting up the name of Jesus and, and thanking Him and praising Him. That's why we sing the songs, right? The, the songs are not about health and wealth and prosperity and all that. They're about Jesus, lifting up His name. And it's great that we sing and we praise Him publicly here in the house of God and church, but what about outside these doors? Do people know that we praise Him? Outside, can I say we ought to praise him because we serve a living God. He is the creator of the universe. In Psalms chapter 90, verse number 2, he said, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. I think sometimes we just forget who our God is. We forget who he is. And we, we somehow try to bring him down on the level of all the other gods that this world offers. We bring him down and, and we just think, well, he's, he's just the same as all the other gods, right? By the way, that's why many times we don't think that God will actually answer our prayers. Right? Why? Because we've brought him down to the level of the other gods. We know those gods aren't going to answer their prayers. So maybe God won't answer our prayers either. Maybe God just isn't able to take care of me. Maybe God just isn't able to protect me. Maybe God just isn't able to work it out. Why? Because we've brought him down to the level of all the other gods. Friend, he is not on that level. He is far above that. And that's why he says he deserves praise. That's why David said, the Lord liveth and blessed be my rock. Right? We serve a living God. But may I say, secondly, we serve a saving God. Look what he says. And let the God of my salvation be exalted. It's amazing. You look back, Job understood he needed to be saved. David understood he needed to be saved. They talk about salvation, needing to be saved, right? Not just saved from his enemies, that's not what he's talking about, but saved from his sin, saved from the punishment of sin and death. And Job says, I know my Redeemer liveth. David says, the Lord liveth and blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Look, friend, we, we serve a God who is willing to save and uh, I'm telling you, it's just, I just get so excited when, when I hear of somebody accepting Christ as their Savior. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody tonight, but um, this morning there was somebody that came up. They said, Pastor, I need to tell you something. And went over and talked to them. They said, uh, Pastor, you came and visited us yesterday. And after you left, uh, I, I read some inf uh, material that you gave me. And last night I accepted Christ as my Savior. Man, can I tell you that? Man, I just... 
That excites me. And then this morning, your 16-year-old daughter accepted Christ in church. Can I tell you, we serve a saving God. And I'm telling you, that there's just nothing more exciting to see someone put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what our God is able to do. Can I tell you, there's no other God that can do that. No other God. Our God is able to do that. And he says he saves. We think about God's plan for salvation is for every person. Why should we talk about our salvation? Why should we talk about how good God is to our life to save us from our sin? Because we want somebody else to know that he can save them too. It's not just for us. I love what John says in 1 John chapter 4, I believe it is in verse number 2, that he is the propitiation for our sin, but not for our sin only, but for the sin of the whole world. Jesus Christ died for the whole world. What what better way to testify of a saving God than praising him and thanking him and talking about what he has done in our life before the world? We have this idea that we're only supposed to talk about Christian stuff and the Bible, you know, around other Christians, and we only do it in church and we don't do it anywhere else. Wait a minute, how are they going to know what Jesus has done for us if we don't talk about him? If we just keep it quiet, if we just keep it to those who already know the Lord, how is that going to affect anybody else? And David said, look, I don't want to just keep this to myself. I want the whole world to know what Jesus has done. I want the whole world to know what God has done in my life. In Revelations 13, 8, all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. You understand that God's plan from the very beginning that Jesus Christ was going to come and die on the cross for our sins. That's his plan. And he wants everybody to know it. It's, I think Brother Brown was saying that Christmas is one of the most popular holidays in Japan. I think it was Brother Brown that said that, wasn't he? One of the most popular holidays in Japan. And they know nothing about Jesus. They're celebrating something they know nothing about. Japan per, per capita is one of the, the least evangelized countries in all the world, but yet they celebrate Christmas. And he said the second most popular holiday is coming to Easter. But you know it's the same in our country. People celebrate Christmas. Christmas is coming up. Decorations, right? Santa Claus, all this stuff, gifts, food, all this. But what do they completely miss out on? Jesus. Completely miss out on Jesus. Well, how are they going to know about him? How are they going to know what Christmas really is about if those who know Jesus as their Savior aren't praising him and thanking him and publicly talking about him? That's what he says. David says, I want the whole world to know this. I want everybody to know, I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. And we have a lot to be thankful for. We have so much to be thankful for, our salvation, our, our families, our home. Man, I t can I tell you, I am so thankful to be the pastor of First Baptist Church. I do not deserve to be the pastor of First Baptist Church. I don't deserve to be the pastor of this great church. I'm thankful for it, though. I'm thankful that God has given me that opportunity. don't deserve it, but I'm very thankful for it. I'm thankful for each person who's part of the church and what God's doing in your life. And I tell you, there, there's so much that we can be thankful for. 
But yet, do we really actually stop and really thank him for it? Do we praise him for what he is doing? David said, the Lord liveth and blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that avengeth me and subdueth the people under me. He delivereth me from mine enemies, yea, thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. I know there's a lot of people that will maybe say the violent man here is referring to Saul. And no doubt, maybe there is a reference to Saul there because Saul was the one that was really trying, the one that was cast a javelin at him several times, a spear, trying to kill him, was out hunting him. But I think there's more to what David is saying than just Saul. I think David understood that the devil was after him. The devil was trying to get rid of him. Because anything that, any plan that God is trying to use, the devil's going to come against. And I think there was a little bit more to what David was saying here. He understood that, that being king of Israel, being king of God's chosen people, was a dangerous position to be in. Not simply because of the enemies of the nations around, but because of the greatest spiritual enemy that every single one of us as child of, children of God have. He hates us. We have an enemy that is so great that he, would, he wishes nothing but our demise. That's why Peter says, be watchful, right? He says, beware, be alert, be vigilant. Why? Because your, roar, there's a, your enemy, the, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Your enemy, he says, he hates God's people and anything that they do. But watch, watch what David says here. Not only does David say that he ought to be praised because we serve a living God and we serve a saving God, but I think David is speaking about a loving God here as well. It is God that avengeth me. David said, I didn't do it. God did it. God avenged me. God is the one that took care of me. God is the one that had this plan for my life. I didn't, I didn't go looking for this plan to be king. I didn't go looking for this plan to, to be the king of Israel. God's the one that had it for me. And then when the enemy came against me and all of the opponents came against me, I, I, hey, God, what, what's going on? And God says, just leave it to me. I'll take care of it. It is God that avengeth me and subdueth the people under me. Listen, can I tell you, we serve such a loving God that not only is he willing to save us, but, but he has a plan for our life that is far better than you and I could ever imagine. It's far better than you could ever imagine. Look, I know as parents, we have, we have plans for our kids and we have desires for our kids, but can I tell you something? If we would just surrender them to God and let God lead them and let God work in their life, God has far better plans for them than you and I could ever imagine. Far better. But the same for us, right? Even as adults, if we'll just yield to God and surrender him, God says, hey, I'll take care of you. I'll, I'll be there for you. He is a loving God. Do you honestly think that he would, be say, he would say, I love you so much, I'm gonna send my son to die for you so that you can have salvation, but after that, you're on your own, man. Of course not. God says, not only do I love you enough to send my son to die for you, but I love you enough that I'm going to take care of you each and every step of the way. 
I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to be right there with you when trouble comes, whether it's uh, medical things or uh, emotional things or financial things or family things. He says, I'm going to be right there with you. And we can look to him. We can trust him. This is why David says here, it is God that avengeth me and subdueth the people under me. He delivereth me from mine enemies. Yea, thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. You understand? David kept pointing it back to God. God, you did this. It was you that did this. You did this. I didn't do it, God. You did this. Hey, when I stood out there and and faced that, that 10 foot tall guy named Goliath, God, it wasn't me. It was you that did that. And when I was out there and, and Saul, was, uh, Saul was trying to chase me and, and every time he got close, and it's just amazing when you read it, every time that Saul would get close to David, all of a sudden, boom, there's a messenger that comes. You got to come, Saul. There's a problem over here in this area. There's a problem over here in this area. I mean, that was just all coincidence. No, it was God watching out for his child. God taking care of him. And David said, God, it wasn't me, it was you. I just trusted you. I just followed you. I was just obedient to you. And you took care of it every step of the way. It doesn't mean that it was going to be a piece of cake. It doesn't mean it was going to be a breeze. I'm sure there were times when David was laying in those caves on, on that stone floor and, and wondering, God, is it ever going to end? Is it ever going to come to an end? Is there really going to be a time when I'm going to be king? Because I just don't see an end to this, God. And I'm not going to take his life. God, I'm not going to do that. I'm trusting you, God, but God, is it ever going to come to an end? You ever thought that? Been going through a situation, you wonder, God, is it ever going to come to an end? Is it ever going to come to an end? God, Lord, I I really do trust you. God, is is it going to come to an end? God says, just keep trusting me. Just keep following me. Just keep believing me. I know what's going on. And David keeps saying, God, you did this. You did this. You did this. He says he's our rock. (laughs) He's our rock. He's our deliverer. He provides. He protects. I mean, he does all of these things for us. And this is why he says in verse number 49, Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord. Why would you give thanks? Why would you give thanks? David said, this is, why, this is why I give thanks. This is why I give thanks. And I want to know, I want everybody to know this is why I give thanks. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. I mean, he's going on and on about God and what God has done. He said, God, I want everybody to know. I want everybody to know what you've done. I want everybody to know that it goes back to you. I want to praise you publicly. I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. Sing praises unto thy name. We, teach a, we taught a song to the, the kids in the co-op. Um, and uh, it's a, I think it's from, is it from the Psalms? I think it's one of the Psalms. It's called Created Me a Clean Heart, O God. Um, and uh, we had the kids in co-op. Every year we, in the co-op we teach uh, a, a song. My wife teaches them the song. And then at the end of the semester, we sing it, and they, they 
they did a great job singing it. Um, but I love it because every once in a while, I'll be around some of the kids that I know are in co-op, and I'll, I'll hear them humming. I'll hear them humming, or sometimes singing. And I love it because it's the song that they've been being taught. And it's not just this one. This has happened before. I love it. I love to hear it. You know, kid, kids don't care who hears them, right? <laughs> they don't care, you know? They don't care if other kids hear them saying. They don't have parents, adults. They don't care if anybody hears them saying. But I wonder why, why Christians, adults, don't do that. Why don't we sing of his praises, right? Why don't we talk of his goodness, why don't we exalt his name among the heathen? Why don't we let the world know who our God is? I tell you, we shouldn't be ashamed of him. We shouldn't be ashamed. When you think about what he's done for us, he's a living God. He saved us. He loves us. He, he protects us. He provides for us. I mean, all the, the blessings that we have. And, man, I hope, I hope you'll be here on Tuesday night. Tuesday night's one of, one of the greatest services we, we have uh, in the year because it's just it's just testifying of God just magnifying God and all that he's done lifting up his name talking about how good God has been it's just it's a great service but it's great that we do it here but do we do it anywhere else you know, there might be some around Thanksgiving, Christmas, or whatever, you're going to get together with family. Maybe some of them are going to be lost. Are we going to talk about his goodness? Are we going to thank him and praise him publicly for what he's done? Or is it just going to be like, well, you know, I, you know, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt their feelings or anything. I don't want to push my religion on them. Can I tell you something? Lifting up the name of Jesus and praising him and thanking him is not pushing your religion on anybody. It's just praising him. Just praise him. Praise him. Sing about him. Sing about his goodness. Lift up the name of Jesus. We're talking about our God. We're not talking about a sports team or an athlete or some TV show. We're talking about our God who deserves to be praised who deserves to be magnified and lifted up, who deserves to be thanked, not just privately, but publicly. David says, I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. You know what's really interesting? Let me show you this real quick and then we'll be done. Psalms 49, go with me to the book of Romans chapter 15. I know I said Psalms 49. I meant Psalms chapter 18, verse 49. <clears throat> In Romans chapter 15, notice what uh, Paul says, verse number 9. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. So guess what? Paul is quoting something. For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. He's kind of referencing back to Psalms, to what David said. I'm going to sing and magnify the Lord. Now think about this. 
when we think about what he says here in verse number 49 of Psalm chapter 18, David is speaking and he's referring to Israel, right? He, he's the king of Israel. He says, I'm going to make sure that uh, the, the children of Israel are singing praises about the name of the Lord. He says, I want the heathen to know about it. But now in the book of Romans, in chapter 15, he says that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. So the Jews are praising God before the Gentiles, right? But now he says in verse number 10, and again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. So in verse number 10 and 11, the Gentiles are praising God with the Jews. So we've got Jews in the Old Testament praising God. We've got Gentiles in the New Testament praising God. And we've got both Jew and Gentile praising God. And notice what he says in verse 12. And again, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse. And he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles in him shall the Gentiles trust. What's he saying? You've got Jews praising God. You've got Gentiles praising God. And here's why. Because in verse 12, we see Jesus reigning over both Jew and Gentile. Jesus reigns over both Jew and Gentile. It's not, this is not just, well, that was David. That was for David. That was for the Jews. No, he says even the Gentiles as well. The Gentiles ought to sing. May I say this evening, we are Gentiles. We're the Gentiles that he's talking about here. We're not Jews, right? We're not part of Israel. We're Gentiles. And he says the Gentiles ought to sing too. It's not just David that ought to be singing. It's not just Israel that ought to be singing. He says the Gentiles ought to be lifting up the name of Jesus. Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. Oh, can I tell you, we have, we have something to praise the Lord for. We have something to sing about. We have something to thank him for. He was willing to love us, to save us, to call us His own, to make us part of His family, His children, to give us a home with Him for all of eternity. Oh, man, we have something to be thankful for. He says, hey, Gentiles, Gentiles, <laughs> you too. It's not just the Jews. Gentiles, praise Him. Praise Him. Lift up His name. Sing about Him. Talk about him. Thank him publicly. Not just quietly, although we can do that, but man, publicly. Praise ye the Lord. Laud him, all ye people. Lift up his name, for our God is good. Amen. Father, I pray you'd help us, Lord. Lord, we're coming to a great time of, of year. Uh, it's a busy time, obviously, with the different holidays and things, but what a great time of year to come to that we can talk about the goodness of God. Thanksgiving coming up. Lord, just to thank you for how good you've been to us, for saving us, for your blessings. Lord, there's so many. Lord, as we come to Christmas and think about the birth of Jesus Christ, and why he came. Lord, so many in our own country have no idea what Christmas is about. They sing the songs and they don't even realize what they're singing. And Lord, so many times as Christians, we just remain silent. Maybe in our private time, we thank you 
and we praise you. And at church, we sing, but Lord, how's the world going to know if we don't do it publicly? Not making a spectacle of ourselves, but truly out of a heart of thanks and gratitude and love for who you are, being willing to publicly praise you and thank you that all the earth may know that there is a God, a God, and he's a living God, and he loves them, and he was willing to die on the cross for their sins, to save them from their sins. Lord, help us to be willing to publicly, like David did, to publicly praise your name and to lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, would you help us in this? I wonder if their heads bowed and their eyes closed. Just remain seated this evening. The piano is just going to begin playing softly. Maybe tonight, maybe we could just say, Lord, would you help me? Lord, would you help me during this time? This week, no doubt, we get together with family and friends for Thanksgiving. The month of December, get together with family, friends, coworkers. Maybe we just need to say, Lord, would you help me to publicly, publicly praise you, to publicly lift up the name of Jesus.